So um, if it's your first time with us, welcome. If it's your thousandth time with us, welcome. Uh, my name's Andrew and I'm going to be doing today's talk, uh, continuing our series, f- looking at the book of Nehemiah titled Rebuilders. And the journey of rebuilding is, is building a society that thrives, but society is just made up of people. And so we've been looking at how we as people are designed to thrive by God. And so far we've had some amazing talks. Uh, in fact, all of them have been amazing. Uh, a, a bit worryingly so as someone coming to speak now. They will be so good. So the first one uh, was Alice get, did a brilliant talk on uh, three things. It was, well, it was all about trying to find our God-given purpose. And she identified three Ps that would help us do that. Our posture, our posture leaning in towards God, learning to love him and be loved by him. Our passion, what are we passionate about? In the book of Nehemiah, he's incredibly passionate about the walls of Jerusalem. It just suddenly, it stirs his heart. And the third one is practical, that God's purposes for us are practical. They're things to do, things that will make a difference. In week two, we had Hugh and Susie, Susie Davis make the very long journey from 30 metres up the hill to come and speak to us. And they were talking on, on if we've identified that purpose, how do we get started and how do we stand firm? And with get started, Susie was talking about uh, it's often being obedient in the little steps that we might have identified this bigger purpose. But to start, we need to start saying yes to God in the little things. And she's told a great story of of how she said yes when she first came to Hope to babysitting and how that led her into some key relationships that really shaped her life. So I strongly recommend that. And and Hugh uh, came and spoke to us about standing firm, telling a brilliant story about their extended trip to South Africa as a family and how they had to stand firm at points to 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 resist the devil and to actually see them step into God's plan for them last week we had an incredibly honest and brilliant talk by Esther who came and spoke to us about the fact that um, whilst God has got these plans for us there is an enemy a very real enemy who wants to rob us wants to stop us walking in that original design and the way that we overcome that is, is to surround ourselves with God, to push ourselves into God, but that that attack is real and it happens. And so today what I want to talk about is how God has equipped us to move from a place where we're maybe not walking in our original design, that purpose, how we can step into that design and that purpose. What is, how has God helped us to make that journey from here to there? And the word that, that we use a lot in hope that is completely key to this, and if you've done Living Free, which is a course that we, we're doing alongside this, then, then you'll be very familiar with it, is repentance. Because repentance is the tool that God has given us to enable us to go from walking in something that isn't our original design to walking in our original design. From not walking in our God-given purpose to walking in our God-given purpose. But before I dive into the, to looking at some specific bits of the book of Nehemiah, I wanted to look at the word repentance and also the word sin, because they're, they're two key words to understand, and, and yet they can often draw up very negative emotions. And it all boils down to what is at the heart of the Christian faith? Because it's very easy to think that right in the centre of the Christian faith is about um, doing the right things and living the right way. But actually, that's not at the heart of what Christianity is about. Right back at the start of the Bible, right at the start of the story of creation, God created uh, humankind to share in the relationship, the abundant joy that he had 
to just, he wanted us to be connected with him. His pure desire was to have unbroken fellowship with each and every person created. So at the heart of the Christian faith is relationship. Outflowing, spilling over from this connection that we have with God is our actions, our behavior. But the focus isn't on the actions or the behavior. The focus is on the connection. So repentance is where um, God highlights an area of our life where we have been living in disconnection from God. And he helps us to, to turn around and not just acknowledge that it's there, but actually he equips us to, to walk in the completely different way. Where we were operating out of disconnection, now we are living in connection. And sin is often the thing that he highlights because sin, at its heart, we might think that sin is about breaking the rules or doing the wrong thing. But actually that's, that's not where sin starts. Sin is actually an inward condition, an inward independence where we have forged a way of life that is not shaped by a deep dependency on God. Now to, 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 to sort of highlight this, I wanted to give you an analogy. And one of the ways I thought I could do this was because often when we think of sin, we think it's about actions, the, the outward appearances that we may be doing wrong. But actually, there's lots of inward beliefs that really fuel, that's where the sin lives. And so a bit like my hat, my hat would be the outward action. And sometimes it can look neat and tidy, but underneath there might be all kinds of beliefs and behaviours that underpin it that maybe aren't so healthy. So I don't know how my hair looks, I'm hoping it looks kind of dishevelled and bad. Because the point is, is that our actions can hide a load of things. But the thing that God wants to get to is the underlying beliefs and approaches that are behind it. That behind my actions, there's either a belief that's rooted in connection with God or disconnection with God. And that's what he targets. So repentance is where God highlights an area of disconnection, sin, teaches us how to turn around from that and walk in the opposite direction. So I'm going to keep my hat off because it's good for my soul. So um, now I want to dive into the book of Nehemiah and talk about how we see repentance right at the heart of the story of what was happening. So I'm going, to, I'm going to start in Nehemiah 8 and 9. And at the beginning of Nehemiah 8, they've basically just completed the building of the walls, the rebuilding of the walls, which is the big task that they were doing. Now I want to say to you that I don't think Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, and the mission of the person of Nehemiah was really about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. I don't think that was the main point. I think the main point was actually re rebuilding the people of Jerusalem. Because this is what I've been reflecting on this week, was that actually um, the only difference between before Nehemiah arrived with the people in Jerusalem and after Nehemiah arrived um, was Nehemiah arriving. That all the people were there, the workforce was there that Nehemiah used to rebuild the walls. So they could have rebuilt the walls before Nehemiah came. And so I've been thinking, I've been asking God, so why, why didn't they rebuild the walls? And I think maybe that the people living in Jerusalem at that time maybe had uh, uh, what we would describe as maybe a bit of a victim mindset, a, a feeling of being, being um, set upon and oppressed, which is true, they had been oppressed, but they maybe believed that they were powerless to, to bring about change in their city. And, and then Nehemiah comes and he suddenly says to them, all he does is, is he, he, he just sets them to work. He doesn't, he doesn't 
give them supernatural abilities. He just says, actually, you, you just do this thing here and rebuild it. And together they, they rebuild this remarkable city. So in, in Nehemiah 8, I think we get to actually the, the, the primary mission of God from the book of Nehemiah, which is the heart of his people. So they've rebuilt the walls and then they come together as a city. And, and, and um, Ezra, who's, who's one of the key leaders of, of that community, reads the book of law to them, the, 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 the God's words to them. And leads them in repentance, in, in showing them how actually they've been living in a way that doesn't flow from a connection with God, but actually flows from a disconnection from God. And he leads them in this repentance. And it's a, it's a remarkable, um, it's a remarkable moment. And I think something that's interesting is that it happens once they've built, rebuilt the walls. And, and I think that, that actually speaks into a little bit of our the, the way that we and the church generally um, approaches mission, which is that it, it's not good enough just to tell people to repent. You actually have to help them with some of the physical needs that they have before they're in a position to believe that they can. So, for example, if someone's home life is in chaos, there's no point in approaching and appearing and just going, you need to repent and sort your life out. You actually need to help them to, to sort their life out, rebuild the walls, give them healthy principles. That's why things like Christians Against Poverty is so brilliant. The food bank, so brilliant. The night shelter, so brilliant. Because it's actually rebuilding the walls of somebody's life to the point where they, where they, where they see that they have worth, where they have potential, where they, where they can do something meaningful, where their life is not just broken bricks and fallen down walls. And where you've built up that self-esteem again, then you say, do you know you were created for more on the inside as well as the outside? That where we've helped you rebuild the walls of your life, we also are here to help you rebuild the walls of your soul. So it's a wonderful picture of of how to do a mission of sharing the gospel really well, that God wants to both build the walls of somebody's life, but also the walls of their soul. So that was kind of a side note, I guess. So so Nehemiah brings together the, the, the community for repentance. And so the question is, how do we repent? So God, we, we suddenly realise that there's this sin, this disconnection from God in our life. I'll, I'll come back to an example of, um, of repentance for me in a bit. But, you know, a big area for repentance for me has been around my ability to, to not handle the unknown. And when I'm faced with unknowns, I, I tend to then, I almost imagine a future where God doesn't act and I have to do it all myself. And, and slowly over time, God's been peeling this back and showing me that I'm, I'm basically imagining a life where I have to be independent of God and, and no wonder I'm, I'm worried about it because it's, it's something that's beyond me. And so that's been something that God's been showing me. And so it, it, it's repentance starts with the moment where we recognize our sin. So there are going to be five R's that we're going to go through, the five R's of repentance. And the first one is we recognize now, recognizing sin isn't about us sitting in front of a mirror and going, what's wrong with me? You know, I have to try and name all of my flaws and my shortcomings. Actually, the recognition of sin is in response to, holy, to God's Holy Spirit pointing something out in us that he knows isn't living into the potential that it could. So whenever God convicts us, it's because he has something better for us. There's always a positive purpose in God's conviction of sin. He's not just telling us to stop or move away from something. He's telling us to start and move towards something. But when we have to, when we, in order to take hold of something new, we have to let go of something old. 
in order to take hold of connection with God, we had to learn how to let go of the habit of disconnection. So the first one is we recognise what the sin is. The second R is to repent, is to actually make a choice to, to, to um, agree with God's diagnosis of our disconnection, to say, God, you're right, there is a disconnection from you here. There's an underlying belief, a pattern of thought, a way of thinking that doesn't stem from friendship with you. And it's important that we that we acknowledge when when we repent we're not just we're not just saying it's it's not the most healthy thing for us we're actually also making a declaration that we're going to that we're going to live in the opposite way now a key a key thing that we often need to repent of that I'll, I'll touch briefly now but in the email the rebuild rebuilders email that's coming out this week there's going to be more on this but it's the area of forgiveness or forgiving other people where they have wronged us, hurt us, uh, knowingly or unknowingly. And often that unforgiveness, it can take root in us and, and, and actually uh, warp our connection with God. So forgiveness is a really key thing that God often puts his finger on. Um, but I'm not going to go into it more, but it's really, really important. So when we've recognised and we've repented, then we need to receive forgiveness. That God does not condemn us or, or put us out in, 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 in the middle of the desert for, for, for two weeks until we're really sorry. Straight away, as soon as there is God's conviction, there's also God's forgiveness. That God never leaves us apart from himself. So as soon as we've um, recognised and repented, we need to receive God's forgiveness and say that wh- where I did live in this, in this, maybe the people of Jerusalem, this, this insignificant, this victim mindset, God, you don't hold that against me. You're not angry at me. You welcome me and you call me in. And this is, you know, this is how the gospel outplays every day in our lives, is that he accepts me before I'm transformed. That his, his acceptance enables transformation, not the other way around. So we've got recognize, repent, receive. And the fourth one is rebuke. And, that's, and that's, that taps into some of what Esther was speaking on last week. That sometimes we, behind this disconnection, like in the story of Adam and Eve, we can recognize that the enemies had a hand to play in deceiving us. That for me, you know, that, that I had to recognize that, that the devil wanted me to, to try to build a future for myself outside of God where I had to take care of it all of myself and yes I recognise my part in believing that lie but I also need to tell him to jog on I need to tell him that he doesn't have a right to lie to me in that area of my life so I need to rebuke him and the fifth R is replace and so if for me in my, in my example of anxiety if, the, if one belief was that I was imagining my future without God well the, the replacing truth is that actually God has got my future in his hands that any time I imagine my future, I can imagine his extravagant goodness, his provision, his protection, his leadership. That as he's done in my past, he will do in my future. He will lead me faithfully. I replace the lie with the truth. So those are the five R's of repentance. Recognize, repent, receive, rebuke, and replace. But the last thing I want to say to you is that when we repent... We need to keep on repenting. In the story of Nehemiah, if you read it right through to the end, um, the, the people stop repenting. They go back to their old ways. They go back to this victim mindset where they start working on a Sabbath because basically they think that if they don't, they're not going to have enough to get by. They, they stop um, 
they, they stop protecting themselves from other people infiltrating their, uh, their culture and they lose their distinctiveness as a people. And it's all because of this, I, I'm, I'm sort of reading between the lines here, but this fear that they have, which is that God isn't really going to protect them, that God isn't really going to be there to provide for them. And so they have to fight and slave and claw for everything themselves. And often it's easy to repent in the moment of conviction because it's right there, it's really big, it's right in front of us. But we need to repent and keep on repenting. So I first, I first struggled, I first had my anxiety attacks in October 2018, so quite a long time ago. And in that intense 10-day period where I was suffering with panic attacks and things like that, it, w- it was quite easy to repent because I didn't want to not sleep. So I had a lot of fuel to repent. But actually, the, the key, the art in this, is to keep on repenting. Just last Saturday, I found myself awake at night. You know, we're basically um, on, on, in the process of doing some work on our flat. And I was, I was in the middle of the night running through the figures of how much it was going to cost. And the truth is, I haven't got the foggiest clue how much it's going to cost. So uh, it's an impossible task. It's just a pit of worry. And I, I remembered in that moment that actually God had taught me how to not go down that track. But I had to keep on repenting. It's the same lessons that I've done. I have to keep applying it, keep doing it. The best analogy I can think, and I'm, I'm finishing here, is that um, a bit like a potter with some clay. There's, there's a moment where they throw the clay onto the wheel. And that big impact is like the moment of conviction. Something happens in life that makes us see that there's an area of disconnection within us from God. And it's, it's, it's dramatic. It's a moment. But then, as, as, as the wheel starts to turn, it's the light, consistent touch that shapes the lump into the masterpiece. And with repentance, conviction, the first repenting moment is that throw onto the wheel but the art is in the continual touching and shaping the day-to-day decisions to keep living in line with the repentance that we have walked to keep repenting where we see the old way of living trying to shape us and to say no I will shape myself in the opposite way so if you're new to uh, hope or you're exploring faith and this is the first you've heard of repentance, I really recommend that you, that you talk to someone about it, that you delve into it deeply. I will not have done this life-giving process, this, this right at the heart of how God helps us to be transformed. I haven't done it justice. That is done in conversation of applying it to our lives, to day-to-day life. So talk to somebody about it. And if we are familiar with repentance, I want to say to you, to us, to me, repent and keep on repenting keep applying it to your day-to-day life do not become complacent do not think that the throw of the clay onto the wheel is the finished article because it is just the beginning it is the outworking of our repentance in day-to-day life that actually is transformation it's not the moment but the journey so the five r's of repentance recognize repent Receive, rebuke, replace. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are so committed to us, that you convict us of our sin, that you so love us, that you refuse to leave us in broken ways of operating. You refuse to let us exist in places of disconnection from God himself. 
Father, thank you that you have given us the tool that you empower us with your Holy Spirit to to not just turn away from disconnection from you, but to walk in and learn a new way of life fully connected with you. Thank you, God, that all of our original designs is of unbroken fellowship, friendship with God himself, with you. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you, we gleefully invite you, we implore you, come and show us our sin. It seems like a funny thing to say. Come and, come and point out any areas of disconnection that you know now is the right time to deal with. We will not go self-searching. We invite you to search us. If there's anything, any area of disconnection in us, show us, Lord, and give us a vision of what we could be, that we may walk from here to there. Amen. Thanks, Andrew. I was just thinking as he was talking about, because the wonderful thing is we've been walking in this teaching now for about 15 years and we, as a church, and we can really see the, that, that it works. And I was just thinking, just thinking of some specific examples of people within Hope uh, who've spoken recently and, uh, and where this has had an impact in their personal life, but also in their, in their workplace. I love the fact that this is the small detail of everyday life. But it also affects the big things we can take on, injustices like the, the, the George Floyd stuff and the, the racism we're talking about. We can take on these giant, these giant problems in society. And the, the, the extraordinary thing about the gospel is they start in our own hearts, in our own households. And uh, I'm just thinking of Ben in healthcare, I'm thinking of Dave in the workplace, he shared his stuff. I'm thinking about Liz um, in the family. And, um, just, and there are many, many more stories amongst us. But these, are, these, these, these stories I'm thinking of, they're all well worked through and they're significant impact on a, on a scale. And Marvin in the city, uh, where these things have been lived out in, a, in, in personal and in, a, and in a larger setting. So it's a, a really exciting and wonderful truth that we can both be transformed personally, uh, but also we can, see, we can see the city, the nation, society changed. And that's the history of the church, isn't it? That's the 2,000-year legacy of the church in, in, around the world. And it's, isn't it a privilege to be part of it? So blessings on you um, today as you, um, you know, continue to walk in these things. We're going to come to a close of our live stream here. And in about 10 minutes' time, we've got this, uh, this Zoom. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of our family game Zoom. We haven't got any of the sort of children's and youth video this week. We're having a week off that, and uh, we haven't got the normal youth Zooms this afternoon. So, but please, all welcome to join us. And if you're new to Hope, uh, and we might not recognise your face in the Zoom, don't let that hold you back. We'd love to, love to um, see you there. Great. So we'll finish there. And, um, and you know, and actually, I just want to add in as well, Alice and I were praying about the service last night, and a couple of things that we felt God say for us. Uh, one of them, Alice had a picture of, of a, 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 like a sailing boat in the wind, and it was, and it, you know, in that, you know, in a sailing, I don't know much about sailing, but the, the boat, when it hasn't quite caught the wind, the, the kind of sail is flapping a bit, and it's not really going places, and it's just a little tweak, and then boom, it catches the wind, and it's off. And um, a sense that that is a, a slight sensitive tweak to, to direction. That could be uh, for us, some of us relating to this repentance thing. It's a, it's a, it's a humility of coming into alignment with God and, and catching the wind so that things um, take off. And I, I had a sense as well of, of kind of continents moving and, and, and of people being repositioned and, and conscious that during this time, you know, we've been probably our, our relationships and the people that we're near to and we're connecting with have changed as well. And again, let's look at that. I, I, my sense was that God was saying that the people that he's put us with um, are, uh, is, is, is deliberate for this season. So I'm thinking of this household, um, Dan and Kate and Sam, and 
Jemima as a household for this season, they're, they're, they're hunkered down together and, and others are in households together. Others are living on your own but going out to work and, and uh, I, th- I sense God encouraging you to invest in those relationships that, that he's put you in for this season. It's a time to forge stuff in yourself and, and in these relationships. So I just want to leave those couple of words with you. As always, we really welcome hearing what God's saying we come, uh, from amongst us. You know, we're very much a, 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 a body a church, aren't we? Where, we, where we all hear what God's saying and feed that in together. It's a bit harder when you're not in the same room as each other. So please keep on sending in stories, testimonies of what God's saying, what God's doing in your life, so that we can all be encouraged by that. We'll finish there, and um, the, uh, particularly for the, for the children and for the youth, but for families or, and others as well, uh, do join us on Zoom shortly.